Welcome to Divorce Stories with attorney Dennis Vetrano, the show for people that want real answers to real divorce questions from a real divorce lawyer. And now here's your host, attorney Dennis Vetrano. Hello and welcome to Divorce Stories. We're at episode number seven and I'm your host, divorce attorney Dennis Vetrano. So before we get started, remember, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to answer your question on our podcast. So if you have a question you'd like to hear us answer for you, Email your question to divorcestoriespodcast at gmail.com. Today we're going to get into your different options with divorce, and I'd like to start out with a listener question. Uh, So here goes. About to start a divorce, I don't want to knock down, drag out in court. Do I have options? And if so, what are my options? You know, this is a really good question. And I think if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, the last episode we went through, uh, you know, the grounds for divorce and how you prepare yourself for the divorce process mentally and emotionally and gathering the necessary information. But now actually going through the methodology that you would utilize, the process What process do you use? Because you do have options. So I'd like to go through the four main options you have for pursuing your divorce case. Number one, do it yourself. Now listen, if you're building a cabinet in your house or maybe you're building a soapbox car with your kid, you know, no problem to do DIY, no problem to go to Home Depot and get some Elmer's glue and some pieces of balsa wood, try to put that together. Do not, absolutely do not do that with your divorce case. Um, there are simple cases and in that sort of circumstance, you know, your lawyer doesn't charge that much to do it and you get through it quickly, but either way, have a lawyer and get it done that way. Here are some of the pitfalls and some of the reasons why you absolutely do not want to do a DIY divorce. Number one, pretty obvious. You don't know the law. I mean, if you have a cyst or you have some sort of operation you need uh, performed uh, to preserve your health, you're not going to go in your kitchen and and pull out a butter knife and start carving out an organ. You're going to go to the doctor's office. You're going to go to a surgeon and you're going to have them do it. So, you know, lawyers, no different. You don't know the law. You know, I've spent four years in college. I spent three years in law school and I've been practicing 20 years. So, you know, there's no way you could substitute that by by trying to read a book or search online and, and trying to figure that out on your own. Number two, it's a classic of you don't know what you don't know. I mean, as a layperson, you don't even know the facts and the financial information that's relevant in your divorce case. Not only do you not know the law, but you don't even know what facts to gather. I mean, do you know what financial documents you'll need? Do you know what income statements you'll need? How it will be relevant? So uh, again, uh, another reason why you really don't want to do a DIY divorce And, um, you know, everybody's had those people. And again, I get them. I answer a lot of questions online for people. And I have a lot of people that come in and do consultations and talk about divorce. And, you know, you'll meet those people, you know, at the grocery store or what have you. I did my divorce and I had no problem. So that lawyer doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen, those people don't know what they don't know. They don't know. They don't realize all the mistakes that they've made. Now, look. You know, you may never hear about it, but the likelihood is you just don't know and someday it's going to come back to bite you in the rear. So, um, you know, again, DIY divorce, absolutely do not do that. Find a lawyer that fits into your circumstance. Find a a price point that works for somebody that does this area of law and and work with a lawyer to make sure you get it right. Um, Because nine times out of ten, you save the most money by doing it that way and being efficient. Um, So your next option, divorce mediation. 
Uh, look, there are pros and cons to each and every one of these different uh, processes. So with the divorce mediation, here's some pros. Number one, you keep the cost down. You know, you don't hire two lawyers to actually litigate through this process and navigate through each and everything, charging you for every phone call and every email and everything they write and every conversation with opposing counsel. So, you know, generally speaking, you're going to keep your costs down with a divorce mediation case. Um, Also, generally your court fees, those, you know, you can kind of keep those down, process servers, experts, generally you don't need those sorts of things. Um, anytime you file a motion in court, they charge you for it. Uh, they charge you to file a motion. I think it's $45, generally speaking. So um, again, it'll keep your court costs, your court fees down as well. And it saves you It saves you from a cost perspective, even just in time. So I mean, for my clients, I always tell them, look, the most important thing you can do is to preserve your ability to make money. Anytime you're losing time at work, by you know, attending court appearances or going to uh, meetings with your attorney, listen, you're losing money at work. So, so again, the divorce mediation—that's that's another one of the um, one another one of the pros of why you'd want to do divorce mediation. Also, timetable. Generally speaking, it takes you less time to work through the divorce mediation process, and in large part because remember, with divorce mediation, generally you're working with a mediator, um, your spouse, and yourself. Sometimes there are lawyers advising each party on either side, and I always suggest that. But you don't have that third element, which is the most important thing. You don't have a court telling you, well, you know, we don't have a court appearance until three weeks from now, so we can't hear any arguments on your case. Or we're not going to have available court time for three months. Or, you know, we're going to give you an extra 60 days to exchange information. So, so again, with the timetable, you don't have to really adhere to the court's timetable. You can really be on your own. Um, and, and generally speaking, you can move through the process more swiftly. Also, the agreement resolution is typically quicker. So there's not all of the kind of lead in as you're going through this process. You know, the formal exchange of disclosure. You know, typically with your, with your divorce cases, you show up for the first court appearance and there's a preliminary conference where you just set down the ground rules of how you're going to function in your particular case. So um, you don't really have that. So generally, you can start, you can exchange information and start working on your final agreement like right away. Um, Also, it's an easier, more peaceful resolution. Now look, it's no different. If you do a divorce mediation agreement, essentially you're coming up with a divorce settlement agreement, similar to the way you would do it if you were litigating the case and two lawyers were drafting it, okay? Um, But I think with these agreements, you can only provide for so much. Lawyers try to provide for every possible eventuality, but I will promise you, no matter how good your lawyer is, no matter how much language you put in that agreement, you're going to have so many more things that you're going to need to work out amicably with your spouse post-divorce that you could not possibly have provided for in the agreement. And when your agreement was done amicably, you reached the resolution peacefully between the two of you, it's going to set you up to have a more workable relationship moving forward. So the issues that you couldn't possibly provide for in the agreement, you can work out together in an agreeable, amicable fashion. Um, so again, you know, you can't put a price tag on that, really. I think that's super, super important. Now, the cons for divorce mediation. Here are a couple big ones. Um, It can be lopsided because a lot of times in these cases, you'll have a strong, bullyish personality. Not all the time, but a lot of the times, a strong, bullyish personality and someone who typically acquiesces. 
So if you have that sort of dynamic, especially if you have an inexperienced mediator, they're going to allow that strong bullish personality to drive the negotiations and you could end up with a lopsided agreement as a result. Um, and remember, not all mediators are lawyers. Not all lawyers, not all mediators are experienced divorce lawyers. So I'll give you an example. When I went for the divorce mediation certification class, this is going back, I want to say upwards of about five years ago now. In my class, there were, say, you know, uh, estimate, maybe about, tw- maybe about 25 people in the class, okay? Out of that 25, very few other than, well, quite honestly, only one of those people was a knowledgeable divorce attorney, and that was me. There were only two other people who were actually lawyers, but were never practicing divorce attorneys. And all of the rest really had no experience or knowledge regarding the law or divorce law in New York State. So those people walked out with the same certification to do divorce mediation at the end of that class that I did. So when you have someone like that crafting your divorce mediation agreement, they don't know the law. They don't know the standards. A lot of times, the the language that's required by the domestic relations law or the Child Support Standards Act is not included in the agreement. And when that's the case, you could end up with protracted negotiations, thinking you walk away from this process with an amicable, agreeable resolution and a final resolution of your divorce case, and it could end up that that agreement isn't even worth the paper that it's written on. So I think if you're going to do the divorce mediation, you know, there are a lot of experienced divorce attorneys out there who do divorce mediation as well. Insist that your divorce mediator is also an experienced divorce attorney so that you can ensure or at least put yourself in the best position that when that final agreement is done, it meets the standard under the law. And also, because not every divorce mediator is as as an experienced divorce attorney or knowledgeable about divorce law in New York State, they could simply fail to include certain things that need to be included. So if you don't include a specific credit card debt, not done. You don't include, um, you know, an explanation of who's going to pay for extracurricular activities. It's not addressed. If you don't say, oh, you know, that condo that I'm buying you out of, you don't say when they're going to take you off the mortgage. You know, if that's not in there, then there's, you have nothing there. And then if you were to have to go back to court to enforce that, you're basically starting from scratch. So um, there's some pretty major cons there, but I think there are ways to, to, uh, to overcome those cons if you do your divorce mediation in the right way. Um, so your third option, collaborative divorce. So here's some of the pros. Um, you have a lawyer in the collaborative divorce process to assist you throughout. You have multiple professionals to guide you. You're going to have people like accountants and financial planners and coaches who are social workers or, or a, a, a child specialist to represent the children. So you're going to have a lot of different people with very specialized knowledge assisting you through that process to make sure that you get through it in the proper fashion. Also, with collaborative, collaborative divorce is done with a team. It's a team concept. So what that means is you have a collective group of professionals who are all working toward the same goal. So your accountant, your uh, child specialist, your coach, both attorneys, we're all working towards maximizing the financial, mental, and emotional resources of the family to uh, ensure that both spouses and the kids 
benefit as much as they can post-divorce from the collective amount of resources that are available. Cons, collaborative divorce. I mean, once I said accountant, and I said child specialist, and I said coach, and then I said two divorce lawyers, I'm sure there were people out there, you know, having a calculator going, going on in their head and saying, hey, wait a second, that's, you know, $3.50 an hour, that's $2.50 an hour, that's $1.50 an hour. So, so yeah, as you would expect, collaborative divorce can be very expensive. But I think at the end of the day, you know, you can walk away with a comprehensive agreement. Also, collaborative divorce can be time-consuming, and in large part because you have multiple professionals and you're trying to coordinate between all of their schedules and your own. So again, in that way, it can be difficult to navigate through the process and it can take some time to get all of those professionals at a table together for regular, consistent meetings to make sure that you get through all the nitty-gritty, all of the specifics of your agreement. And also, bear in mind, with collaborative... It's in the same, it, it works in a similar vein to divorce mediation in that this is all on your honor. This is based on trust. This is based on, look, if you ask your husband or your wife, can I get a copy of your retirement statement? They're supposed to give it to you. Does that mean that they give it to you every time? Not necessarily. Bear in mind, these aren't court-ordered sort of circumstances. There's no court involved. These are on your honor. These are basically voluntary agreements to exchange the information necessary to reach a final resolution in the case. And sometimes people are kind of, you know, uh, hiding the ball. They're hiding their cards a little bit. So um, you have to be wary of that. You're not really seeing anything like conventional disclosure in a litigated case or, or the ability to issue a subpoena or get a release and go directly to the bank and get bank records. A lot of times that's not what's happening. Um, but bear in mind, too, this is kind of a change in the it, it's a change in the dynamic collaborative. Collaborative is not driven by aggressive divorce lawyers on either side. It's driven by neutral professionals. It's driven by the forensic accountant who's going to give you numbers and say, what are your household expenses? What do you need to live moving forward? It's driven by the financial planner who's saying, if you walk after this divorce with $2 million, how are you going to be able to manage that money and live on it 10 years from now? It's not driven by divorce lawyers advocating for their clients. So again, and, and in certain circumstances, think of it like this. If I'm representing a client in the collaborative divorce process and I see there's a weakness in the other side's case, I'm really not supposed to seize upon that for the benefit of my client. What I'm supposed to do is work towards a resolution that's favorable for all. So there's kind of a change in the dynamic there and you just need to be comfortable with that. And I think the final con with collaborative divorce is collaborative. all of the collaborative professionals working in your case, they make an agreement at the outset that if this case is ultimately litigated, they're out. They can't represent you. So if I'm handling your case, and I am, I am also a certified collaborative divorce attorney in addition to a certified divorce mediator. So if I'm involved as a collaborative divorce attorney in the collaborative divorce process, if it fails and we don't reach an agreement and people have to litigate, your forensic accountant, they're out. Your lawyer, they're out. Your child specialist, they're out. Um, your coach, they're out. So you could at this point theoretically have paid 25 plus thousand dollars for all of these professionals to reach an agreement and at the 11th hour everything falls apart and you end up in court and you're pretty much starting from scratch. So I think we get to the the final, you know, let's say uh, uh, the 100 pound 
uh, elephant in the room or, or what many people on the outside consider as like the proverbial boogeyman of the divorce, the litigated divorce case, okay? Um, anytime you use the word litigated and connect it with the word divorce, people have these, these fears, they have these nightmares of walking into court and you're, you're testifying in front of the judge and you're, and you're sharing all of these gory details about the affair that took place or somebody hiding money from the other and, and yelling at each other and calling names and the lawyers yelling back and forth. That is not the way the bulk of litigated cases are resolved, to be quite frank. I've been handling these cases for a long, long time. And statistically, 90 plus percent of all litigated divorce cases, of all, of all cases in general that end up in court, are resolved via an agreement. So what does that mean? And again, I learned this a long time ago. I've litigated many, many cases. And I've learned many years ago, always try the easy way first. And this is what I tell my clients in the initial consultation. If you can get 90% of what you're looking for and you got to compromise on 10% or some variation of that, you got to be a little bit give and take, but you get something that's fair and yet you don't have to go through the whole process. It's not a knockdown drag out. You're not, you know, airing each other's proverbial dirty laundry in an, in an open courtroom in front of you know people sitting in the gallery and the, and the court officer and then the stenographer and the, and the other attorney. Um, if you don't have to do that, but you can just get a lawyer who's going to advocate for you, sometimes that's the best route to take. So let's, so let's go through um, what I think are the pluses, um, the, the pros, let's say, of a litigated divorce case. Look, it starts with a lawyer, okay? And that lawyer is going to guide you from the outset which I think is a very important piece. Your lawyer should be involved right away just to let you know what facts are relevant because you don't even know at the outset what's the general law. That's a good starting point, okay? Um, and then the lawyer can tell you what information to gather and the lawyer can bear in mind, the lawyer's there to advocate for you, negotiate on your behalf, advise you along the way, and if something goes south or you feel like you can't reach an agreement, with a litigated divorce, your lawyer always has the option to go to court and put it before a judge. It's not like a situation where with the other more agreeable circumstances, you either reach an agreement or it's nothing. So I think, again, I think, it's, uh, I think it gives you a lot of options. And you know throughout the process, you have a lawyer dedicated to you and your interests specifically that's going to pursue everything they can to get you the best most fair and possible resolution. Um, so again, I think it's always important to do that process. Like, like for example, the way we handle our divorce cases is right out of the gate, we ask you for information, okay? What are the inf what's the factual information that's relevant for custody and visitation? Um, give me copies of your, of your tax returns. Here's a list of all the financial information I'm gonna need. We gather all that information. We file your divorce case the most basic document to get your case started. Remember, if you've been listening to the podcast, you get your date of commencement to give you the cutoff date. And then once we gather all that information, we don't start filing motions and arguing, unless it's an emergency. If you got an emergency, there's domestic violence, you need to get out of the house or something like that, we know exactly what to do. Um, but if it's not an emergency and you're just trying to work through the process, the very next thing we do is try to get a proposal out to the other side, you know? And then if we feel like there's information that we need, we pursue it. We ask for it, just like the other processes, voluntarily first, so we can keep the cost down. Um, but, but throughout, we're telling you what you need, 
okay? So I think with the, with the litigated divorce cases, it gets a bad rap in that many people here litigated and divorce, and they have these, they've heard these horror stories, and they have these visions in their head of what's going to take place. And the reality is the vast majority of litigated divorces are resolved amicably. And the vast majority of quote-unquote litigated divorces, you never even see the inside of a courtroom. Most of it is negotiating between the two lawyers. First, you're gathering information from your client. You're crafting a proposal that's fair together with your client based on your advice. And then you're forwarding that to the other side and you're negotiating back and forth. So you, you keep the cost down. You don't have the court appearances like you, you thought you'd have. You don't have to have a judge give you the ultimate decision in the case. You, you try the easy way first. And, and nine times out of 10, I have to be honest with you. Again, we get back to that statistic. Over 90%, and I believe this specific uh, statistic was 93% of all litigated divorce cases are resolved via an agreement. What does that indicate to me? That means start working towards an amicable resolution with your litigated divorce right out of the gate and always try the easy way first. So litigated and divorce doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a knockdown drag out and or what you believe would be a nightmare. Okay, so thanks everybody for tuning in. Again, that gives you a good overview of all of your different options on what sort of process you're going to use to pursue your divorce case. Um, don't forget, we're always seeking listener questions. So if you have a question you'd like to hear us answer on the podcast, email it to divorcestoriespodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for tuning in.